Welcome to the Hustle or Bust podcast powered by Paver Art. Our mission is simple, to dive deep into the world of entrepreneurship, small business, and all the success, struggle, and challenges that need to be confronted in the pursuit of growth. We celebrate the entrepreneurial spirit, but perhaps most important, we want you to learn at least one idea that you can put into action immediately to make your investment in time worthwhile. Welcome to episode 20, where we discuss the concept of field trip, which is the intentional act of getting out of your office and into the environment of your team, your customers, or your suppliers. Or if you just need a motivational road trip to give yourself a little motivational kick. A great friend of mine has a quote that has always stuck with me. If you want to know how the lion lives, you get to the jungle and not the zoo. We hope you enjoy it and drop us a line with some feedback. If you want to know how the lion lives, get to the jungle, not the zoo. Which, by the way, is a, uh, a quote that's attributed to Jeffrey Fisher, I believe. An old colleague and friend of mine. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. More specifically, we're talking about the concept of the road trip today. Uh, so but why don't you say a few words about Mr. Fisher? Uh, Jeff Fisher, good friend of mine. Uh, he was former VP of sales at Monogram Foods. We became good friends. We worked together. We acquired a company. He was the head of sales and marketing of that company. Right. And uh, he became, as happens in business, he became a very good friend of mine. And he had that saying, if you want to know how the lion lives, get to the jungle and not the zoo. So we basically uh, became friends and it kind of dict. It was one of those quotes that always stuck with me. And uh, it's, it's really about the real world and not the hypothetical office mm-hmm. or the, the reality of the office. Sure. So to learn how people live, uh, you got to go in their environment and it kind of set the backdrop for some of the ways I think about business. Both you and I have been on the road for a decent portion of our lives in sales. And we know the value of being across the desk from someone, speaking to them, looking them, looking them straight in the eye, them doing the same to you. Uh, and trying to promote your product for whatever the product was. Uh, so we, we know the importance of that. It's implicit if you're in that sort of atmosphere daily. That's your job. But if you're, if you're not in that situation and you're in an office and you're, you, know, you have to know your product, you have to understand your product, talk a little bit about that why the road trip for someone like that is really, really important. Well, the, the road trip, uh, why don't we, we, we went to a Midwestern place recently, mm-hmm. right, for a, a install that was a new product. And let's just talk about, it took us, what, 12 hours to get there? It was me, you, and Dom? Correct. So the first part is, when, when you're in the office, we were, let's say we're in the office 10 to 12 hours a day, and the phones are ringing. We know, everyone knows what that environment's like. It's the grind, it's the whirlwind, it's all of that. Sure. Just a simple fact of now you're getting out of the office, but now you're stuck in a car mm-hmm. for 12 hours. I mean, what are some of the things that we talked about? We, we covered a lot of ground, didn't we? We talked about virtually everything that you could think of. Because let's be, let's be honest, it was 12 hours one way. Okay, so multiply that times two. That's we had, right. We, we had to come back. That's why we're here. We mm-hmm. had to come back. <laughs> so, well, I asked the question. It was 24 hours in a car on Trapped. the road. Yeah, it's and you've uh, got to communicate, or or if you choose to sleep, but we didn't sleep at all. I think I asked you the question, Mike. The uh, if I come here physically, if I work on the, if I if I'm here physically three days a week, what did I? Uh, how many? How much of that time, that twelve hours that we're here, that we're actually working on the business and not in the business? How much are we conversing about planning, uh, growing the business? I think you you keep, your answer was what an hour. It, uh, an hour yes. a day? It was an hour a day, and it, it, sometimes it's probably 20% up. It can be as much as 20% of the time. Right, but it's not like it's eight hours. So right. we're doing a small portion of our time is working on the business. Let's just call Correct. it an hour. That's three hours a week. Mm-hmm. Well, this road trip alone, we, we covered four months' worth of planning in one road trip, right? So that's valuable time if you use it appropriately. Um, now, we covered, you know, uh, the typical politics we covered, the college planning, we covered a lot of areas, right. all somewhat related to the business. But we talked about we talked about the the factory, the shop, the you know piece of new equipment that things that we got to improve. Just you know we've just acquired and 
how that's going to impact us and how we how to integrate it. It just all those things that you you in the in the daily grind of just running the business. It's hard to find the time to talk about that. And let's step back a little bit here on the the context of this topic. Paveroard is not an expert in right. Mm-hmm. I think. The number of road trips that we've... I've owned a business now four years. Mm-hmm. I think the number of road trips I've counted up is four. So, or three it might be, really, right. that we've done this. Mm-hmm. So this is not an area... We, we see this as aspirational, this topic. We're not coming from a place of extreme expertise. We know the value of it, but we haven't demonstrated it. So there's going to be a number of podcasts that we're what we would consider close to expertise and we're demonstrating it every, every single day. Right. This is not that. So in the spirit of transparency, this is one that I think you and I recognize the value of, right. but we're not living and breathing it every day. So you know, one of the things is with any goal, goal setting, I think the research says if you write it down, you're X percent more likely to achieve it. Then if you if you kind of up the ante and you tell people about it, you're even more likely to achieve it. So this is that topic of field trips, road trips, uh, in the context of growing your business, sure. that this is aspirational for us. We see the value of it, but we haven't demonstrated it. So this is kind of that one we want to get better at and figure out how do we evolve into it. Well, to use in modern parlance the word efficacy, the efficacy of those three trips was 100%. Sure. Every one of those trips meant something. That they was, there were there were uh, topics that were discussed that we learned from. Let's you know, go. Let's and go exchanged to, ideas. So, so let's talk. Let's paint a picture of that. The Leonardtown trip. Mm-hmm. It was you know we got through COVID and that was like our first field trip. We both got vaccinated, so I, right. I felt more secure. And everyone feels differently about how to get out there. But uh, that was our first po- post COVID road trip. Mm-hmm. So why don't we talk about uh, that trip, what we learned, uh, give your impressions of it, and what is Leonardtown to begin with in terms of the significance to our business? Well, Leonardtown, Leonardtown, Maryland, had a waterfront, a piece of waterfront property owned by the town that was, let's just call it in decay. Um, And the, uh, you know, there used to be ships that used to dock there years and years and years ago. And it's just a, it, it was an ideal body of water and a town built around that ideal body of water. It was dormant. It was very dormant. Right. And, and that's absolutely the proper term is dormant. But the, uh, the current administration in the town decided, you know, we need to do something about this. And we need to kind of, we need to draw it not, not only uh, for the folks that live here uh, and, you know, in and around the area, but to draw people in during the summertime. Uh, on this beautiful lake. So what they built was they built a uh, they built a lakeside promenade, this beautiful walkway, and they did a cutout. They basically did a uh, not a cutout, but a bump out, a circular bump out, and said, "We need to put something iconic in here. We need let's 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 do a compass rose, which ties into seafaring ships and you know uh, you know maritime uh, you know maritime ideas, things like that, and." The compass rose, as we've come to learn, our single biggest selling product or design. Um, the compass rose is a perfect tie-in for that. They went out and they looked for somebody that could build that for them. Uh, they came to us, and the uh, the compass rose that we built was 40 feet diameter, and it just it incorporated what it's I the mother think, of all compass roses. It's the mother of all compass roses, and the way it was built. If people are interested in, in seeing this, we have a we have a video on our uh, on our YouTube site uh, that goes that, that that talks about this specifically, and uh, we, the other video is a video that um, um, we did with E.P. Henry, as I recall, and that uh, that incorporated an interview with the town commissioner, uh, with the current town mayor, uh, the installer on the job. We had to go down and physically do this. You know, we were interviewed. Uh, it was it just it it was it was a great it was a great experience. Now I lived through that. This was your first experience mm-hmm. with going to a job site that we had created um, uh, with the help of the installer and the good folks at Leonardtown. And it was just a, it was a terrific, terrific experience. But I think you learned, I mean, tell us, you, you know, what, what did you learn on that trip? So my perspective, uh, you, when I first came into the business, the first thing I noticed was a blueprint on your wall. Right. And I said, tell me about that. It, it was the blueprint of the Leonardtown 40 foot diameter compass rose. And you told me about it. It was on our website. So I kind of connected the dots there. Mm-hmm. 
But I'm a believer in the product is one thing in a business, right? The product's important. You got to know your product inside and out. You got to know your market. I'm more fascinated. I don't know if it's more impactful to a business. I'm more fascinated in the story, the motivation, mm-hmm. all the inner, inner nitty gritty, the perseverance, the the setbacks, the challenges associated with the project. So I didn't have a, an appreciation for it until we got Lachelle McKay. Shout out to Lachelle. Mm-hmm. Amazing. The town commissioner of Leonard. The town manager, right? Leonard Town, uh, Maryland. So yeah. I, I just, you know, I'm trying to learn. I'm sitting at home one day, a work from home day, and I'm pinging the people in, at Leonard Town. And I said, can you, I'm Mark, the owner of Paveroad. I want to learn a little bit more about the Compass Rose. Can you give me some insight? Immediately they responded back and said, you got to talk to Lachelle. She was intimately involved and still is with the wharf and the, and the whole area. Mm-hmm. So they respond back. We get on the phone with Lachelle. We had a nice conference call, and we said, you know what? That has got to be a field trip because there was some blood, sweat, and tears involved in this project. All we know about it is we built the Compass Rose. The town came down to look at it. So we were involved in the manufacturing of a key iconic piece, but we need to understand the story. We need to understand how did they get the funding? How many years did that take? What were the setbacks? we got to understand that whole context we're not going to do it. We got to go down there and understand it. We got to see it with our own eyes. We got to see the back alleys of Leonard Town. What makes that town tick? Mm-hmm. Who the heck knows what we're going to learn? But we're going to learn something that we're not going to learn if we stay behind the computers all day. So that was kind of my thought process. There was a series, and it's it's interesting that you bring that up because there was a series of road trips involved with that project. When we were in our first location, um, the the first factory that we had before we moved here uh, to Lindenwald, the 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 commission that was involved with making the decision and cutting the order loose to us uh, actually came up to our factory and spent an entire morning how many people uh, as I recall More I believe one, right? there I believe there was five and there so there that was the did town not council. but the, and the, the, in addition to that there was the landscape architect too sure so all these folks came up and he was up there you know shooting photos. He and I and Mick interfaced on a pretty regular basis while you know we were working out all the fine details of how this Compass Rose was going to be built. I won't, we won't go into all, all those details, but there was a lot, and it required several phone calls to kind of nail those down. Uh, once that was nailed down, we were able to figure out what the cost was going to be, what the price, what the quotation for the client was going to be. And in the, you know, in the midst of all this, we were working with Lachelle, uh, you know, she needed more information. How you know? I need to sell this to the commission. Um, but I and, think the, and that's but but they took a road trip up to see us. So they were invested in it. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Right. So the, I think there's a when you think about business relationships and partnerships and how the physical face to face interaction Correct. works. My experience. I think this is kind of in a common sense category. Mm-hmm. If a client is going to invest in seeing your operation and vice versa, the relationship's got to be that much more tighter. Yeah, it's absolutely. And much more receptive. So there, you know, I kind of view relationships as you got transactional. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to buy this from you. You, I'll supply it to you. Uh, very transactional. Get the thing done. Ship it. Do it on time. Give me a fair price, and then you never see the person again. Real transactional relationship. As you move along the continuum to uh, more of a partnership, strategic relationship, mm-hmm. one becomes each party, the buyer and the seller, become that much invested in each other's business. So the relationship, by its definition, is a lot closer. Usually, there's some type of physical FaceTime. Yeah. yeah. Forget Zoom, forget phone calls, forget emails. There's time spent with each other, right? Mm-hmm. So the Leonardtown story, I believe, is the best landscape. I'm not a landscape architect, but we deal with that <clears> world. <throat> I can't think of a better landscape architect case study that takes a whole area, a dormant land, a derelict property with a beautiful waterfront, and now is a thriving destination. Well, how'd you get from point A to point B? Well, all we did is build the compass rules. It came. We got to understand all that. You've got to. It's 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 bigger than putting something putting something together on the on a drafting table. Right. Okay. And the uh, you know our road trip, I had to go down and meet with the landscape architect and his assistant. Uh, Both of both of them were. In fact, I think she was the one that came up with the idea for the compass rose. And he took that idea and ran with it. The, both of them took their idea and ran with it. But I had to meet with them. Why did I have to meet with them? Because they don't know me. They don't know paver art from the man in the moon. Right. What better way to do that than for me to travel down to Leonardtown, uh, meet with them at their offices, 
and and you know spend the better part of a morning just pouring over the designs. There, there were three different, there were three or four different uh, options that they were looking at. They were asking me and firing me questions about patterns. On you know what 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 patterns are we going to be building the the bricks out of? How big are the how big are the pavers going to be? You know what you know. Could you have done that if you didn't go down there? It would have been it would have been very very difficult. It would have been very very difficult. And remember, this piece, the design, the actual design, the final design that was settled upon was going to be the cornerstone of Leonard Town's marketing plans. Every letterhead Logos. for the town was going to have that Compass Rose logo on there. Okay. Shirts, hats, you name it, that was going to be part of that. You know, it's this, you know, special. this is going to be very special. And it's, you know, it's it, 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 it puts a lot of stress on you to make sure that you're going to do this right and do it right the first time. And that, you know, and that's before we even built the damn thing. So, well, I like it. The, the road uh, trip was the road. Both those road trips were crucial. Critical. I, you know, when when I look at it today, you know, I, there's hashtags on Instagram. So I type in sure. Leonardtown Wharf, and guess what? I see a wedding on the on the Compass Rose. Mm-hmm. I see graduations. People take it's a it's an iconic location. Yoga classes. Yoga classes. I mean, they they rent it out, and they you know, so it's commerce. But uh, another shout out, K plus Ace. I, re- I remember that uh, Instagram tag. Her son Ace. He's with a bulldog. Bulldogs have a soft spot in our heart at Pavort. He's on the bench, sunset, and the compass roses in the background. And I'm, oh, yeah. I'm, it brings a tear to my eye every oh, time yeah. I see it. So I'm a little sentimental about the whole thing. It's, an, like, it's an iconic photo. It's an iconic photo. I mean, yeah. and then you got the sunrises and the suns. I mean, that it's just gorgeous. It makes you appreciate art, which is what we do. But the road trip and the struggle, when you hear them talk about the grants mm-hmm. and the hurdles they had to go through and all the different things... You're only going to get that if you go there and you try and, and probe and, and let me hear the story. Now, at the end of the day, we produce product and we generate revenue for selling things like that. But the magic behind the business, behind any business, is the story behind it with your client right. and all the challenges you got to go through. So I don't think you get any of that unless you actually do the field trip. I really don't. And if, if the client and all the council members and the town manager, if they don't come here, I don't think you pull that, that project off. I really don't. And as a... As a company, as a marketing guy, as a salesman, you don't get the sale. Right. That's the end of the day. That's what. That's the lifeblood of this business is getting that sale, and knowing that what these people are going through to build this. This is a big, big deal for them. You don't want to make any mistakes. You right. don't want any issues to come up that are going to bite you in the butt later on. And I think we covered all the bases. You don't get a chance to cover all the bases until you can get a visual. A visual picture. You got to see where this is going. You know, it, it gives you an opportunity to um, uh, guard against pitfalls, problems, issues that could crop up. You're, you might see something. Okay, well, this is. If you're going to put it over here, then we're going to have to build it this way, or it's going to have to be this size, or it's going to have to be uh, uh, a square shape as, as opposed to a circular shape. How? Are, all these things come up when you get a chance on a road trip to see these things face to face and talk to the folks face to face. So, so, it's, it's so let me ask you a question. Let's be self-critical of ourselves. Mm-hmm. If in four years that I've owned a business, we've taken you can count it on one hand the number of road trips. Sure. If it's this important, the the basic question is why haven't we done more of it? What's your take? Well, I think the honest answer is we're running the business. There's other issues. And it's a small business. There's other issues outside of the uh, the sales sphere that are going to drag you into them every day, five days a week, 52 weeks a year, period. End of story. That's just going to happen. Uh, would we like to take more field trips? Sure. I used to take field trips first three years that we owned this business. Because you were in sales. I was that in sales. That was I was job. taking field trips. I was taking field trips, you know, uh, two to three weeks a month. Okay, all over the country. It was great. Mm-hmm. I, that, was, that was the that was you know that that was the salad days. But I'll tell you what, they were great days. Yep. And I really enjoyed that, and I learned this business inside and out because but that was of a specialized that. function. So you got to pull yourself. It's a specialized function. Count. It's a specialized function. But I got I got much much better at my job, and anybody that does that is going to get much much better at their job because what do we, where do we had we had to pivot. We had to pivot from. You know, on-site sales 
to sales from a website and, and phone sales. It made me a better phone salesperson. And that's, uh, uh, that's you know, it, 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 it put me in a position where I could talk to every type of person that I needed to talk to at any time of any day. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it be a landscape architect, a contractor, a distributor, a homeowner, or as we affectionately call them, end users, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, engineers. You have to be able to talk to all of those folks in this business, especially as a small business. You're, and I can't believe that any small business person doesn't learn that during the first three, four, five years of having their start, you know, putting their startup together and starting that business. You have to have that information. But you didn't answer the question, Bull. <laughs> so oh, why didn't we do four, it? Four years I've owned a business. We've taken, let's say, five road trips and not 12 or well, 15. you're right. I didn't answer it specifically, but I, I, I danced around the point. Right. The point is it's there's hard. other things that need to, that, that need to be done, too, hard, right? to keep this business afloat. Right. And the look, you and I view road trips as a pleasure. Right. Okay? Some people may not view them as a pleasure. It's an opportunity to get out of the office and learn more about the business, learn about the people that you're dealing with. It's not that easy to do. Right. It takes a lot of time. Uh, I think so, that's it. It's the resource. What I said before, I think, is absolutely true. Our efficacy on those three to four road trips that we did take, 100%. We had home runs on every one of them. And we made damn sure that what we when we left here, that we were going for a very, very good reason because you're sacrificing that time in the office. You know, when we got back, you know, stuff didn't stop. By the way, just we're going to stop the business for two days mm-hmm. while, you know, Mike and Mark and, and Dominic right. go on a road trip to, uh, you know, to visit uh, a project that's utilizing a product that we think is going to be the next big thing in, in our business. You know, no, the business didn't stop. The business kept going on. And oh, by the way, all that crap accumulated right. while you were gone. So when you got back, you're buried. It's like going on vacation. Right. You go on vacation, you come back, that the stuff on your desk didn't go away. So it think, didn't stay the same. It got much, much larger. I, I think you hit the nail on the head. We did, we've done four road trips and not thirty because it's hard. You got to run the business. Yeah, so exactly. this is where we we've got to figure out how to get better and do more of them in this strategic surgical fashion. More than what we do because we see the value of it, but we're not there yet. Now, um, I think you're familiar with Tom Peters, yes, author of In Search of Excellence. Yep. He a great little acronym, uh, which talks a little bit about if you want to learn how the lion lives, get to the jungle and not the zoo. Mm-hmm. His thing is MB, was it MBWA, management by wandering around. So what he's basically saying is pull yourself away from your desk, whatever it is that you do every single day, and wander for an hour in your business. So now this is internally focused. It's not externally mm-hmm. in the world of sales and customer relationships. Yeah, but it's still a road trip. It's a mini road trip right. throughout the day where you wander. Let's just say your plant floor. You're going to wander and get the jungle now is your own internal team. Sure. In our world, it's manufacturing. So you got to wander and get with the people that are manufacturing and understand what are they struggling with. Do more. You know, God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. Listen more than you talk. So by wandering around, you're trying to do that. You're trying to learn what the real struggle is, what's working, what's not working. It's kind of a mini road trip for an hour a day. Or maybe you do four of them throughout the day. You wander around just to see what's going on. And it, it gives you a real feel, the pulse of the business by we, doing that. We both pretty much, and we pretty much live by that. It's the first we thing do. we do when we get here in the, when right. we get here in the morning is we, 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 cruise the, we cruise the factory, we cruise the shop, we, t- you know, we just check out things. Um, I'm amazed at all the plants I've been in in America. If you want to know a little tip I've got or a little uh, rule of thumb or if you want to know if a plant is well run in America, Mm -hmm. figure out the startup time and show up 15 minutes before and see what happens. I'm amazed at how many plants I've seen that startup time might be 5 a.m., 6 a.m., 9 a.m. And the top guy in the company is not there for startup. And they're not greeting the people as they come in and get ready for startup. You want to see a well-run plant, you're going to find a high-level executive at startup greeting the people as they punch in. Most plants, you won't see that. Now, they may, the plant manager might be a proxy for that. Mm-hmm. But if you want to run a well-run plant, see if you start up on time and see what the startup function looks like. Um, now, it's different for every manufacturing facility. We're like a custom shop, so we don't have a production line per se. We're not a good example of that. But most businesses have some sort of production line. 
and it is hit or miss if you're going to see a high-level executive at startup consistently every single day. Um, and lo- hmm. but the ones that are, I'm telling you, their metrics are better every which way, their throughput, their efficiency, their margins. When executives show up at startup, uh, they will have better results. Now, why don't they do it? And once again, it's hard. It's a routine. It's not their function, so to speak. But that is a, you want to go see a business that's well run, you're going to see a CEO or a high-level executive at startup consistently. So the concept of wandering or wandering around uh, as a mini road trip concept is, based on what you're saying, it's pretty darn important. I think so. Uh, why would you, it's, it's hard for, I think, either one of us to conceive of someone in that position not wanting to do that. Look, the you know, uh, it's 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 it, it just appears to be too important. Well, let's talk a little bit about the world of small business. At any given time in America, there's two and a half million small businesses for sale. Mm-hmm. You go on Biz by Sell, BizQuest, you type in businesses for sale, and, and you can sort it by pizzerias, manufacturing companies. A lot of businesses are for sale. At some point, and and by the way, baby boomers own like 90 percent of them, and they're going to transfer because the the grain of America. There's going to be a massive shift in generational wealth from baby boomers to people that buy their businesses if they can successfully sell. Big if, right? The due diligence of buying a business usually consists of a financial exercise. All right, let me see your sales for the past five years, the tax returns. Um, Let me see your product roadmap. Are there any legal cases? There's a due diligence checklist. Nowhere in that due diligence checklist will you see how a startup run. That might come out, but generally you don't see it. Right. So um, that's a problem. It's a transactional type approach to buying a business when you've really got to see, again, if you want to know how the lion lives, you got to get to the jungle and not the zoo. Mm -hmm. The jungle is startup. How does that work? How does it how does it start up? What type You're not of find that in a spreadsheet? Well, what type of information are you going to garner by by, by doing that? What, what, what give gives give me some examples of what you're actually go, what you're going to see, what you're going to you know uh, kind of take in while you're doing something well, like that. Let, let's do a compare and contrast. When when you do classical due diligence, you're looking at spreadsheets, you're looking at right. numbers, you're looking at tax returns, you're trying to see all right what kind of margins are they making? Is it going up or down over time? The jungle is not about that at all. The jungle is about seeing the people mm-hmm. and seeing, do they start up on time? Do they not start up on time? What does the waste factor look like? Is the plant clean and orderly or is it a mess? Is there a frantic pace or a common collective controlled pace? So for the due diligence of the jungle is more concerned about people. It's more concerned about process. Mm-hmm. It's looking at inventory management and what you see on the spreadsheets, are you validating it with your own eyes with the actual inventory count? But it's more about the flow and the rhythm. It's hard to describe, but there's a feel and a rhythm to every single business. And you're trying to get a feel for what that rhythm looks like. And by the way, if it's not smooth, if it's not orderly, that's okay too. That's opportunity to improve it. Um, but the the numbers can only tell you so much. They tell you what already happened. The jungle, the people, the culture. <clears throat> and by the way, nobody gets the culture right. But every business has one. Uh, it may or may not be on paper. You know, we've got our grit, grind, hustle, repeat uh, at Paver Art. Mm-hmm. Every business has a different culture. You're trying to get a feel for the culture. And a lot of businesses have somewhat of an undefined culture. Um, that's an opportunity. Culture is the strategic weapon for a business. If you can figure it out, define it, and have it really live through the DNA. Those are the things that you're trying to find. You know, businesses accelerate to get to new levels because they have a defined culture, a capable team. They have investment. None of that shows up on a balance sheet by the way. So that's where, you know, buying a business is one thing. Growing it and creating something valuable is a completely different thing. And the process of uh, the road trip internally, understanding how the line lives, is completely different. Most people don't get it right. Well, you brought up two, what I felt were two really important points. There's the hard, there's the hard data balance right. sheet. Profit and loss Black statement, and you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, equity statements, all that, all the, all the stuff that you can take home and, and give it to an accountant. Take, give it to an accountant, or if you're, if you're skilled at it, you can go over it. You, you go, go through it yourself. You can find because numbers will tell you things, but that's hard data. That's that's what you're going to find on the sheet of paper, but that's half of it. The other half is. And it's a term I it's a term I love to use. Feel. Put that in quotation marks. Okay. 
it's the whole concept of feel. At the end of the day, when you're making a decision, whether it's buying a business, starting a business, getting a new piece of equipment, you're going to have to have this. You're going to have to have the hard data. Right. But you're also going to have to have a feel for what it is that you're trying to do. Okay. And more often than not, that last, you, you've got this figured out. Okay. And this looks, this looks pretty good, but you're still a little, you know, a little hesitant. And as we've talked about a hundred times in the discussions that we've had over the last four years, risk assessment and, uh, uh, and controlling risk are very, very important. And the only way you're going to do that, have the hard data, but you're also going to have to have a, a good feel for something, a, you know, a, some people might call it a gut reaction or, you know, what your gut's telling you to do. But you can't get that feel unless, unless you, you know take that trip. Okay. Yeah, that's right. You go you go on the other side of that you go on the other side of that wall, you walk around and you're mentally putting together all these things that you're seeing. And it's gonna it's gonna tell you whether this feels right or whether it's uh, but, it feels dicey or whether it actually feels wrong. You know, it's interesting. As you're talking, a, a uh, example comes up with Brian here at Paver Art. Remember we bought the new forklift? Right. Mm-hmm. How many days did Brian spend trying to salvage the old forklift? So we had a we had a forklift, one forklift in the uh, company. I can tell you exactly, two weeks. Right. Yeah. We have, we've got an old, how old was that forklift? I think we bought it used we 20 bought years it, ago? We bought it used, so it's that forklift could be, it's minimum 20 years old. So yeah. it's a work, it was a workhorse. It, let's just say it's 25 years on it, so mm-hmm. it's well past its useful life. Sure. And the thing was conking Otis, out. Otis, absolutely not. It was leaking, it, it was basically on its last leg, right? Mm-hmm. So we buy, I, I stroked the check, I think it was 30,000 bucks for a new one. We bought a new one. And Brian spent two weeks trying to fix the old one. Give me, why did he do that? Oh, so, so we could have two. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be a luxury? Nice? Instead of just one, we have two. Right. Now, we're doing more, it. Because more often than not, when you're running a business like this, especially a growing business, you find out, you know what? This guy needs that fork truck right now, but this guy needs that fork truck right now. That's and right. And we only have one. And we got a trading value for that old forklift, oh, by the way, of, let's say it was $1,000. Yeah. It's probably scrap metal trading value. It was nothing. Brian spends two weeks. Inherently, he didn't have to ask for permission, by the way, and we're all grinding our teeth as he's doing it to try and repair the radiator and plug the holes and figure out where the leak's coming from. And we all stood by and watched enjoy because if he fixed that thing, we'd have two. Yeah. And it's a hell of a lot more important to have two than to have $1,000 of cash back in my pocket. So let's let him roll with it because he might be successful. Now, it turns out we couldn't fix it, right? Exactly. But it was well, in my opinion, well worth the effort, and he had great he had a great sniffer for that. He knew inherently that two would be a hell of a lot more important mm-hmm. to us than the thousand dollars. Now he wasn't looking at the numbers, and he worked his balls off to try and figure it out. That to me, that's an effort that should be applauded. So for part of this thing, do the people have the sniffer or the gut instincts, mm-hmm. the feel to know that if you can fix something and now you've got two, you're a hell of a lot stronger as a business. Yeah. Hell of a lot stronger than the thousand dollars we would have got from trading a damn thing in. We the hard information, the dollars saved, the um, you know the opportunity cost by having two as opposed to one. It's you know you can figure that out pretty quickly between the two of us. We can figure that out in twenty minutes. Right. What he did, that's that's that that's the whole feel issue, and um, it was I, I, that's a that's a really good example. I hadn't I hadn't thought of that. Well, it's tactical, you know? right? It's it's there's not a lot of stake. His time was at stake, and, and by the way, to have him focus that much time on the thing kind of hurts. But you got to kind of reward that as a business owner. You got to kind of say that's the right move. If it's successful, it's a win, right? Now it wasn't, no big deal, but still the right thing. I would do it all over again oh, sure. to try and salvage that thing. Absolutely. Well. It, it also tells you something about the individual. It tells you something about the, about the way we try to think here. Uh, yeah, all positives, mm-hmm. I think. No, I I wanted to I wanted to to pivot back to wh- where we started in this conversation because I think um, one of the things that's important, and it's not just us. This this I think this applies to any small business, to any. Anybody that's thinking about starting a new business, they need to keep this kind of information in mind. And for me, anyway, I think this is pretty important. And we try to exercise this as often as we possibly can. But we do the lion's share of our selling, conveying and communicating what it is that we want this customer to understand by phone. 
what would you say? 95% by phone, maybe 5% by some sort of, you know, video communication like a Zoom or Microsoft mm -hmm. Teams or something like that. I think a live conversation happens with 95% of our sales. Correct. Has to. What are we trying to do? When we're talking to a client on the phone, someone who has only seen the product on the website, okay, or an Instagram posting, or one of the, you know, five social media outlets that we're, we can physically be found on, what we have to do with that client is create a mental illustration, a mental image of what it is that they want to buy. We've got, you know, we have a, you know, we've got a, we have a, a person that's wanting to make a commitment and we have to make it easy for them to do so. But they don't know about the product. They don't know enough about the product, you know, to feel comfortable, you know, just going to, they're just going to whip out their credit card and say, yeah, I want two of those. No. Right. Okay. You know, it's, uh, it's one thing, we'll, it's a small joke, but it's one thing to go to Five Below, who we all know, we, we have a relationship, you know, five bucks is easier to part with than 2,000, okay? That's right. Yeah, this is not 2,000 Below. Right. This is, this is, yeah, I mean, this is not Five Below, this is, this is 2,000 Below, okay? And in order for someone to kind of get over that hump of, they're just, I, I don't know, you know, honey, I don't know. Do we do we really want our job is to put their minds at ease, make them feel comfortable with the purchase that they're getting. Because we know, we know that the the two things that this business was built on, built to last and the wow factor, conveying that is building that and creating that uh, that mental illustration of what it is they're going to get and where it's going to go, and the proper size, and the proper colors. And we back that up with all sorts of things, like a, a colorized line drawing, things like that. But um, the only way that you can do that, I mean, if, you're, if you were in a basement your whole life and somebody said, all right, here's a compass rose, it's made out of, it's made out of concrete pavers, and here's your choice of colors. How the hell would you sell that? Right. You got to get out there. You got to go to a job site. You got to be able to talk to the installer. You've got to be able to talk, you know, understand what the installer's problems are. Okay. It's, we, we tell we tell the contractors all the time, "Hey, you got the you got the hard job. Mm -hmm. You have to deal with the client face to face and you have to put this in. You have to make this work. You have to make sure that you're putting their mind at ease as much as we're putting their mind at ease when we create this, 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 this mental illustration of what it is that they're going to or wanting to buy. And the only way you're going to have that, the only way you're going to reach that comfort level, that confidence level, uh, and, 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 and by the way, clients sense confidence. Mm -hmm. They're very, very good at sensing whether or not you're BSing them or not. You know, we don't BS anybody here. Yeah. You know, they get the they get the full truth and nothing but the truth. Um, but you, you've got to go out there and see it. Now, the last road trip we did is an excellent example of that. This particular product that we're talking about is it's it was introduced into the industry several years ago, but it's now just starting to take hold. We wanted to be part of this new con of this new product concept. So we went to a job site. We had actually taken an order. We went to a job site. We actually got to see our piece being installed and in an area and an array where it just fit perfectly. The landscape architect did a great job. The installer did a great job. But there's major differences between how this, is, this, this product is utilized and what our standard concrete paver product is utilized. Mm -hmm. How else are you going to understand? I can talk to I can Impossible. talk I can talk to the, I can talk to the installer on the phone all I all I want. Yep. I'm going to get maybe sixty percent of the information, but to actually go to the job site and 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 feel the size, feel the installation, feel the you know get down on your knees and do measurements. It's sit in the heat for two hours. Sit in the heat for two hours. Struggle over it with somebody else that's also struggling. With one it. on one, talking to these people. Combat. Yeah, you know, you're 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 two feet away from the landscape architect who's explaining to you why she thinks this is the perfect product for this this particular application. You're just you're creating, you're you're creating 
all you know your arsenal of information so that when it comes time to talk to a client on the phone, you can create that mental illustration. But you're not going to be able to do that from the office unless you're there. And by the way, the confidence in being able to convey that information comes from from knowing, hey, I've done this. I've been there. Well, the so. I think it's safe to say anybody that wants to get into a new product slash new segment, new market, if you don't build in 40 hours of in-market field research, great, whatever you want to call great it, point. don't get into the market because you're going to miss too many things. Great point. So you've got to invest some amount of, in our case, 12 hours there, 12 hours back, the time on a job site, all that counts as time and investment. Right. If you don't do that, you're going to fail. There's just no way you're going to build a marketing plan. It's going to hit hit the sweet spot. You're not going to know who to go to. You're not. You just there's no way you can launch a product into a new market without buyers. Going buyers are t- that's you can't. Right. Buyers are and buyers are so much more sophisticated now. They and and they don't have to go to. You know, it, it's nice if they can go to a neighbor who's done this and right. they can go over and say, "Wow, that's beautiful." Uh, you know, who did you who did that for you? Well, a company called Pavar built that for us. Great. Right. I mean, it's you know, word of mouth sales, as we all know, is the best, is, is the most effective. But you know, ninety, like you said, ninety-five percent of the people that we talk to about this, they're the that we're doing it by phone, and it's to me that's you know that that confidence in communication knowing the product inside and out, knowing the application inside and out, having been there, talk to the people who were putting it in, uh, the uh, talk to the design team that was responsible for putting this together, why this piece was important, why these colors were chosen, why are they important, the texture of the product. The more of this information that you compile, the, the better that you're going to be, at, again, going right back to that same thing, Putting that client at ease, creating that mental, you know, that mental illustration that they, that you know, when they get off the phone and they talk to their spouse, or when the, uh, you know, the the, the town commissioner uh, gets off and, and has to go talk to the, you know, to the board, uh, the um, about a particular project. Well, I think so, what we're talking about is getting feedback, right? You correct. need feedback from the marketplace. I'll give you an example, somewhat unrelated, but it's about feedback. Right. You know. When you're in our business in the summer, that that's our Super Bowl, right? That's pure season. It's oh, also yeah. one giant pain in the ass. It's 98 degrees out there. It's humid. You break a sweat the moment you walk into the plant. It is hot out there. It's tough working conditions, right? Sure. So, and it's hard to keep up with social media. And, and by all the way, other kudos things. to the guys that are doing that every Absolutely. day. Absolutely, they, they are great. It's a wonderful team. Look, our shirt has su- we we call it superheroes. Yeah, because that's what they are, right? That's what any manufacturing plant is, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, they're held up in that regard where they should be. Um, I take a couple pictures of our work. All of our work is displayed on it, and I throw it up to Facebook. And, and a true digital marketer would cringe at some of my posts because it's ugly. It's, I'm just throwing it out there and sure. letting the world decide will it get comments or not. And you can't predict if it will or won't. The first comment was somebody I didn't know. It, we probably sold the design through a contractor. It was yay, Y-A-Y exclamation point. I'm like, I wonder if that's going to her. So I start engaging with her. And then someone else makes a comment on, they, they simply said, ours is going in today. And I'm like, our, our what? So so now now all of a sudden, like these people are responding. I don't know what the hell's going on, but your, I guess your project's going in. So And it was a hot air balloonist. Uh, she said that, mention it to Mike, she knows me, or he knows me. Right. Compass is going in today. And I I can't wait to see the, the pictures. Send them over. So she starts posting her pictures as they're being installed. You see the cutout of, the, I think it was a five-foot compass rose. Right. You see the cutout. And I'm like, and it looked gorgeous. I mean, it beautiful patio on a waterfront, and there's the compass rose. You see the guys, you see the extension cords. It's a job site, so you see all that. And I'm like, boy, they did a great job cutting it in. Took them, and she responds back. Took them an hour and a half, quicker than I thought, which was music to my ears because we always say, look, that should take them. It'll be less than a half a day job. They're not going to be there all day screwing around with a five foot compass rose. Right. And I'm like, hour and a half? I would have guessed probably two and a half hours. So mm-hmm. your guys are obviously good at what they do. So now there's an opening. Now, who are your guys? Who's the firm that put it in? Let's go find that out. It's a great job, guys. And then I said, do you like it? Oh, I love it. I should. I wish I would have got two, but we got a kind of space control. So she starts giving me all this feedback about she wish she had two. Uh, and it's great. We're getting feedback just from a simple social media post. But I, I got to tell you, how many brands are out there? And there's so many brands that will post... And then they'll start getting comments. They're not even acknowledging a comment. 
Well, that's the reason why you're doing this to begin with, to interact with your audience. And the brands are, they did the hard part. They actually got some engagement and they're not engaging. So it's almost like, would you ever show up at someone's cocktail party, have them say hello to you and you not say hello back? Of course you wouldn't. Well, then why aren't you doing that in the digital world? You're being basically rude and taking their comment. It encourages more discussion. That's right, which is what you're looking for. You're looking for feedback from the marketplace. Exactly. not, not quite related, but that's kind of the deal. Is you need to the more feedback you get from the real world, the better off you're going to be. Feedback is critical, and we're uh, you've always been on that. You've always been, uh, you know, the, the feedback that we get from the different social media outlets that we do have is it's really important, and you do respond. So what's what's if we've done four and four years road trips, mm-hmm. field trips? What's a good goal for a year for us? That's realistic, attainable, but gets us moving in that direction. Do you think? Keeping in mind that and we got probably most small businesses have the same restrictions that we do. So uh, this this would pertain to just about any small business, I would think. Uh, I, you know, it would be great to do one a month, which is, which is obviously twelve a year. It might be a little ambitious. That's, but well, everything that we've tried, everything that we try to do here. And by the way, uh, a little piece of advice: be ambitious. Okay, test your limits. You're only going to get better at what you do if you test your limits. That's the only way it's good. That's I think that's the cornerstone. You've got to test your limits. And yeah, 12 might be difficult to do. I would say six is an attainable goal that gets us. If we go one a year to six, we're moving in the right direction. Realistically, six is probably not a bad idea because that's one. It's one every two months. Uh, you can you can as long as it's a day. No more right. than two. And travel factors and, into know, that. And right. travel factors into that. So do your local market. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and we actually talked about this yesterday. We live in an area from a commerce standpoint, from a living standpoint, social, economic, culture, whatever you want to call it. It's very, very dense. It's very, very intense. So... There's virtually nothing. You, we should be able to experience everything that we need to experience in regards to this business. A couple hundred mile radius within a couple hundred mile radius, exactly. Right. Which at the at the end of the day is no more than a three or four hour drive one way. Sure. So uh, we're we're lucky in that respect, and there's you know we're we're culture rich here, and we're uh, you know we're social we're social rich here also. Uh, and we're business and commerce rich here, so that's. I think you got to that allows we can we can pull that off six times a year. I think. And I, I think the what you want to challenge yourself to do as a business owner or a leader of a business is what are those types of field trips, right? So it's not just customers and selling more. Sure. Although that's important, that should maybe be two, two out of the six for us, I think, or maybe even three out of six. Mm-hmm. But then it's high schools, labor talent the next generation of paver artists if you want to call that we got to get into the schools that should be one or two or something like that maybe it's a technology firm maybe we've got to learn about digital marketing that should be a field trip things that are kind of outside that we got to get better at those should probably populate your field trip list uh landscape architects will always make the list but if you look at your business and say how do you grow you're going to need partnerships will probably be some component of that so what would that look like? And then make that part of your field trip list. Now, obviously, you got to have a willing partner that's going to go, or a willing participant that's going to invite you on their site, or vice versa. Contractors should be doing this in our world of home construction or outdoor living building. In the winter, when it slows down, they should be going to their manufacturers or different products that they want to see, and seeing if they can get two hours of FaceTime with that, and figure out if they can strike up partnerships. Sure. I'm amazed that our our phone's not ringing off the hook for contractors trying to develop their business in the winter. Now, maybe we haven't done a good job expressing that we're open to it, but they should absolutely be doing that. And if it's not paper art, is it a gazebo manufacturer, a fire pit? What are the new products, the new trends out there? And they should absolutely be trying to learn some of those things if they aspire to grow. Most won't do it. There's a, that's some right. Should. That's exact, You're right. Most don't do it. I, I won't say won't, but they don't do it right. for whatever reason. Uh, maybe there, we do get the occasional contractor that calls and says, you know, your your product is, we really like that product. Uh, and we think we can sell more of it. How can you help us 
to sell more of this product to our clients. We want to be able to not just show them, you know, the, the newest color, the newest size, the newest texture of, of, a, of a concrete paver. We want to be able to show them these designs. How can you help us out with that? Uh, that's maybe 3% right. it's shocking know, of the low. contractor population, right. and that's, that, is, that is low. Now, at the same time, let's not forget if it was 3%, 3% 20 years ago is different than 3% now. True. 3% 20 years ago, they just didn't know. Right. It was our job to get them to know. Right. But, but Our awareness is a lot higher now. But the, the whole idea of a website, the concept of a website 20 years ago, is completely different than it is today. I mean, you'd, you have to have a website today. Social media 20 years ago, virtually non-existent. Hey, I use that term virtually correctly. Virtually non-existent. The today that three percent that might be low because they're learning about the product from a really good website from you know the social media outlets which are much more readily available instantaneously available that might be why that number's low I could be wrong but I I, I don't think so there a lot of the contractors that we hear from now already know about the product when they call us. They either know it from knowing us, knowing of us over the last the twenty years. They know the name, and the name, you know, the, the name conjures up an image too. Uh, Let's say our awareness is pick a number. Twenty years ago, it was one percent. Right. Today, it might be forty percent. Right. Or it's a lot higher. Yet, the calls to go on the field trip are minimal. Exactly. So yeah. knowing is one thing, and this is where the field trips come in. Mm-hmm. You need something to get you into action. Mm-hmm. So now the name is known for our business but that contractor if they want to grow through new products through new markets or something like that mm-hmm. they've got to take that next level they got to invest more time they got to go they got to touch it they got to feel it like we did with the other project on get just one. as comfortable with it as we try to make the end user right. homeowner landscape architect it's, comfortable it's not going to become a tool that exactly. generates incremental revenue until they get deep into it they got to get their hands dirty they just can't get a price list by the way we won't just give them a price list because that's that's transactional we don't need nor do we want transactional relationships. The contractors got to do the same thing. Right. They got to get they got to go on that field trip. They got to go learn a little bit more. They got to invest time in a Zoom call. They got to get a little dirty with this to try and learn the lighting system, the fire pit, whatever it is that is they're going to try and expand into. They're already in the field. This is just one more tool. This right. is just one it's more not a big leap. one more accessory. It's not a big leap. They can, you know, and to their credit, most of these guys, if not all of them, are very, very good at what they do. They're smart. I think they're very gotta, smart guys. The business owner's got to say, it's almost like you got to burn that question in your head. Does this warrant a field trip? Yeah. And if so, what does that look like? Where should it go? Should it be with a salesperson, a technology? What does that look like? But you've got to start asking yourself, do we have to get out of the office and go experience this? All Touch right. it, feel it, and then go back and forth. Well, now you've now you've touched into an area that I... Uh, that I wanted to talk about too. In my mind, what's taken it hasn't taken the place of the road trip, but it's a version of the it's road trip. It's a virtu- it's a virtual road trip, right? Okay. And what you and I have found, in fact, one of our goals, and this should be the goal of anybody in a small business that can use Zoom, it's a it's it, it's a great tool. You're you, you can in real time you're engaging a design professional a contractor, a, uh, a homeowner, whoever the good stakeholders are, whatever, whoever the stakeholder is, great all-encompassing term. But you get good at the Zoom call. It's 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 just a notch below, a notch or two below, sitting across a table from someone or actually going to a job site. For people that know how to use it and and communicate with it and they're not intimidated by it, it's a it's a terrific tool. It's it's. You know, it's the replacement of actually getting in your car, taking a road trip, going yep. to a going to a job site, or speaking to a client one on one. You get to speak to a person one on one, face to face, in real time. You're answering questions as opposed to composing an email, which somebody can put away for the moment. I'll get to that maybe tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And what happens? They don't get to it at all. Right. And they have to be reminded to get it's a to task. It. I've fallen into that trap many times sure. myself, as we both know. The the Zoom call though, it's now. It's it's 
literally in your face. It's in your face. Right. And not only do you get to hear the customer's tone of voice, but you get to see their facial features and you get to see what I call the, you get to see the, their tone of voice and the their timber. And you know, are you communicating properly? Are, is, this, is this customer understanding what you're trying to say? It does allow you to hone your, uh, to hone your skills, just like you'd have to hone them if you were on a road trip to go see that client. Mm -hmm. So the Zoom call, it, if you can't get out of the office, the Zoom call is a pretty darn good replacement. I mean, you, what do you think about that? I, I think Zoom's an invaluable tool. Now, I would tell you it's not perfect. I've got this, I haven't broken it yet. Your picture's in the bottom right-hand corner. I keep staring at my picture and I'm looking at it. How do I get eye contact? And I can't show the right screen. I'm thinking. It's the blue dot. I mean, you by, look at the blue dot. By God, we're two years into this and I keep screwing this up. I'm not sure my screen and then I go. I mean, it's like, oh my God. I, I feel like a technophobe with Zoom. But is it better than a phone call? Yeah, I would much rather do a Zoom call than a phone call. Agreed. Phones are kind of annoying. And, and look, I, I suffer from the whole thing. When I get a text, can you talk? And I'm like, oh, Jesus, here we go. Mm -hmm. Right? Uh, so Zoom is a hell of a lot more comfortable for me than a phone call. Um, I don't know if it's my ADD or what, but, you know, the sharing the documents on the screen and being kind of around a virtual table and seeing faces, mm -hmm. th there's no substitute for it. I, you'd rather be there live. But if you can't be there live, I don't know why mo all people wouldn't default to Zoom. Yeah, so I think there's no substitute for live, but I would say, yeah, and we had a goal that any quote over X number of dollars, we were going to do a Zoom call. Yep, exactly. And if they didn't want to engage in it, maybe we don't quote them. So we had to make some hard decisions because of that personal communication that we thought would just enhance our results, their understanding of the product. Exactly. So um, I think it's a great tool. It's also a version, think of it, it's a, it's a version of a test close. Mm -hmm. If somebody doesn't want to engage you on... Then they're not going to buy. There's a good chance that's not going to happen. Right. So, uh, just like I said, look, if a contractor just wants a price list and they don't want to get on the phone for 20 minutes sure. or a Zoom call, we don't need them. There's plenty of contractors out there. This is a big country. So you've got to kind of define who your ideal customer is, your client, and the level of engagement that's needed for your product, and if field trips are warranted, Zoom calls are warranted, phone calls. But if they don't, if you've defined that you got to have a live conversation, or if that answer is yes, then Zoom is better than a phone call, and a field trip is better than a Zoom, right? But you don't need to do a field trip for everything. In fact, I would argue that 98% you don't need to do a field trip. You got to figure out your big things. That's the field trip category. But whatever the level of engagement is for the normal stuff, the 98, 95% of your business. If you've defined that live conversations are needed mm -hmm. and they just want the price, yeah, I, th I would make the argument that's not your customer because they're not. If you've got to convey information and hear them and they won't even engage, why do you want them in your in your mix? I would say I've, I've defined that as you just send me the price list. Nope, not gonna do it. You're not our guy or gal. The you know if you're if you're looking for reasons to do it, what are the reasons to go on a road trip? especially if you're a new startup business, you've got to understand your market. And the only way you're going to understand your market is to get out there mm -hmm. and understand your market. Ask questions. Talk to people who know about, these, you know about the sorts of things that you need to ask questions about, people that can give you answers. You know, you've, you've got to chew on these things. You've got to be, you've got to be in the field. You've got, to, you know, you've got to be surrounded by that. You've got to feel the atmosphere. Again, there's that word feel again. You've got, but you've got to feel the atmosphere in regards to that 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 business and the product from that new business that you're that you're that you need to just totally understand you've got to go in the field and see it can we think of anything else besides uh, those two things that would be reasons to do you know the road trip yeah you're in a rut so i'll give you an example <laughs> well so are you you're in a rut too pal <laughs> yeah if, if you're uh, in a rut just kidding if I, know, if, I know what you're saying if you're getting kind of <laughs> you feel unproductive Get the hell out of the office and yeah. go on a road trip. And by the way, it doesn't have to be related to your business. I'll give you an example. Uh, maybe six years ago, I'm an Italian food snob, right? So uh, Yes. Yes, he is. So uh, I gave you my OG story, right? Yes, you did. And most people think of Little Italy, New York. Mm -hmm. They think of Mulberry Street, Mulberry and Mott. It's really small. It, that's not the right Little Italy in New York. The right Little Italy in New York is right outside of Fordham University, Arthur Avenue. I think it's the Bronx, technically, mm -hmm. right? Great little Italy. One street of Italian delis, restaurants, bakeries. I mean, this is the real deal in New York. We go on a road trip, and we were going to the, the Bronx fish, fish market, right? And, of course, Arthur Avenue is right around the corner. So we're going to go hit, and we're going to walk the whole street. And there was this cool little Italian deli that was serving breakfast. 
cool, let's go in here. Giovanni was the owner. We strike up a conversation with Giovanni. Great guy. Generational business. The quintessential Italian deli, mom and pop, great small business. Beautiful food, spotless. And I'm thinking, and I'm asking. The smells. Yeah, the, the smells. When did he come yeah. over from Italy? And I'm hearing the whole story. And I'm thinking, all right, it's got nothing to do with the business that I owned at the time. But he's talking about coming over from Italy, how he cleans the shop, what kind of products he offers, what he doesn't offer, how he cooks breakfast, why he decided to get into breakfast versus lunch, how's his takeout bit. I'm, I'm hearing the whole thing, and I'm just asking questions. I left, and by the way, we bought like $90 worth of cheeses, <laughs> and we brought it back to the shop. I left that Italian deli more energized than I was in the past three weeks because I heard somebody else's business had completely zero to do with my business. So why else would you go on a field trip? Because you got to get re-engaged in a great business. So what I would say is, what are those three great little... The great retailer, Stu Leonard's in Connecticut. Have you ever heard of Stu Leonard's? Mm, I have heard of it. It's like the Disneyland of food shopping. Great place to wander around and kind of see how they're merchandising. It might have nothing to do with your little technology startup. But it has everything to do with a great business, customer service. So I would say field trips, the other things that, you know, we're, we're talking about it in the context of how to grow your business or your employees. Go find great little businesses and go on a road trip. Take your team with them. I, I have found enormous benefit from just getting out of a rut. So for me, that Italian deli on Arthur Avenue, Stu Leonard's, those types of businesses that get great reviews, you want to go see them. Uh, maybe that makes one list of your six for the year or your 12 for the year, whatever your goal is. That's a great point. Plus, you're going to get great food. And great food. <laughs> what, what a great ancillary, uh, you know, uh, uh, positive reaction. So, well, we should report on this a year from now and say, all right, did we hit our six or whatever goal we set and say, all right, here's what we learned. Let's go back to pop, whatever this is. Let's go replay some of the key points and then see what we did. What are the trips and hold ourselves accountable? We should do that. The um, uh, we've we talk about doing that with a lot of things in this business, right? And I'm sure every small business owner does the same thing. We're going to do well. I'm going to write that down right now. One year <laughs> from revisit. now, let's revisit the field trip. By discussion. the way, you came up. You said something there before we wrap this up, which I which has never been brought up before, and it sounded like you said paver artist. Mm-hmm. Well, paver art, paver artist. That's becomes a person. It's that's what a great term. We got to find <laughs> the paper. The next generation of paper it's artists. A, it's a it's a term searching for a function, right? So or a person. Though look here, here's another. We one need that. to. I've, I've I've outlined this. We're going to find a place to park that. A quick little so. story on paper artists. Uh, I'm going through Instagram last night, and one of my great friends, uh, Maria and Eric Robertello. Uh, shout out to them. They've got a daughter, great name Bella. Right. Mm-hmm. She's clearly an artist. I think she's a teenager. I got to find out. She might be 16, 17 ish. And she posted a picture of two blue birds. We got to put this up on the screen, Dom, for people to see. And I'm looking at it in the context of pay for it. And I'm blowing it up and I'm saying, could you replicate that in pay for art? And then I'm looking through her feed. First time I saw her feed, she's got this picture. She went on a mission trip. She's a piggyback ride with someone else. And she did a sketch from that. I'm like, man, this is gorgeous. I'm looking through her whole feed. And the, the term paver artist hit me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, clearly this kid has got God-given talent that she's honing. She's got a whole Instagram feed of artwork. And I'm thinking, yeah, it's starting to come to me. I'm thinking, man, kids that are in high school right now, and, and she's clearly got like 1% uh, type talent. A real gift with art. I don't have that. Probably never will have it, even if I try to work on it. I'm just not born with that. Mm-hmm. So some of this stuff, you're either born with it or you're not, I think. Art might be one of those things. You True. can probably get better at it. But that level of skill is unique. And I'm going through this, and I'm, I'm kind of looking through it through the eyes of paver art. But clearly, this is a talent with this girl that she has. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, man, could we replicate this? So it was interesting. I was just thinking through, and that's where paver artists came to. Artist, paver art. And I'm thinking, all right, could, could young kids develop into a... Can they go into our mode of creating artwork in our medium? Don't know. But anyway, that, that term came to me as I was going through this. How old is Bella? I believe she's 16-ish. Okay. Has she hit her 10,000-hour... Uh, she, uh, <laughs> she, she's approaching it. You can tell I by her so. feed, she's got, I don't know, 30 posts. And and one's as good as the next. I mean, she was doing, like, cartoon characters, landscape scenes. I'm like, man, this, this kid's got talent, right? So, yeah, anyway, paver art and paver artists kind of hit me last night going through this. And I'm like, this is, this is something here. 
Well, I, I think on that note. Side story. It's a great side story, by the way. And one of these days I hope to meet Bella. Yep. The, um, uh, the whole idea of this uh, or the concept of this particular episode was the road trip. And going back to what we said in the title, if you want to know how the lion lives, get to the jungle, not the zoo. I think it's very, very apropos. And I think we covered pretty much all of it. And props to Jeff Fisher for that quote. It's, it's made a big difference, as he has in my life. Mr. Fisher, thank you very, very much. It was nice to meet you through Mark. So, and that should wrap us up for today. Good job. Thank you all. 